Today we'll be discussing what has become a very popular topic, yoga. And to do so, I have a special guest on the phone. Her name is Marcia Montenegro, and this is her second appearance on Test All Things. Marcia's ministry is CANA, which stands for Christian Answers for the New Age, and Marcia is well acquainted with Eastern-style religious philosophy and New Age practices. She worked herself as a professional astrologer for eight years, and she was into a large variety of New Age practices herself before coming to Christ. So as yoga becomes more and more prevalent in American culture, we need to have answers to our friends and family who want to know what's wrong with it. Marsha is here today to tell us just that. Welcome back to the show, Marsha. Hello, Fran. Thank you so much for having me on. You are welcome. And I understand Marsha has a new book called Spellbound, The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids. It's about the occult and how it's made to look good to kids and teens through games, toys, TVs, movies, etc. And I'll tell you, it's very relevant for, for today. Again, Spellbound, the paranormal, paranormal seduction of today's kids. You can find that on Amazon. Well, Marsha, I'd like to get into yoga. Okay. And the first question is, what is yoga and what does the word mean? Well, yoga um, is actually comprises of several kinds of practices. In this country, usually we associate it with a physical practice, which is called hatha yoga, where you put your body in different positions. Uh, but there's also other kinds of yoga that have to do with um, very deep meditation. There's the yoga of action. There's the yoga of devotion. But the word uh, comes from Sanskrit and means yoke, um, and the reason that uh, that word is used is because the goal of yoga is to unite with the absolute. So all forms of yoga have as their goal um, to unite you with the absolute, which is basically the absolute God or the ultimate God in Hinduism, um, Brahma, but as yoga has migrated out of India and into other cultures, especially into the West, uh, people don't think in terms of the, the Hindu God. They just think in terms of um, uh, ultimate reality, or they may just say the absolute, meaning, uh, you know, whatever you think of as the absolute reality or your concept of God um, or your higher you know, power, whatever in our culture, it's so pluralistic. So whatever you want to think of as the ultimate power in the universe, that's the absolute. Okay. How old is yoga, and, and where did it, exactly did it originate at? Well, it's a few thousand years old. Hatha yoga is about a thousand years old. It comes from India, from uh, um, ancient practices in Hinduism by the yogis. Um, these were... Um, Men, um, you know, it's advanced in the spiritual uh, path of, of uh, Hinduism. And yoga is um, an integral part of Hinduism. It, it's just that in our culture, it seems to have been separated from Hinduism. That's the appearance it has. But it is a part of, of, of Hinduism. It's just um, one of the major components and is one of the practices of Hinduism. Okay. Why do you think yoga is so popular today? 
Um, I think there's a few reasons. I think one reason is that it has been very successfully marketed um, as an exercise, as a way to limber up, and even as a form of relaxation. And I think because we're in a very health-conscious society, uh, this is very appealing. I think another reason that it's popular is that barriers that used to exist in our culture to things that seemed um, very different um, have gone down and uh, people used to think of yoga as sort of a flaky thing to do <laughs> back in the 70s when I was taking yoga um, people didn't think it was cool at all uh, people in mainstream culture thought you were sort of a, a flaky uh, hippie or something if you did yoga because it was associated with eastern religions and with people in the counterculture um, but those barriers, that you know, that kind of concept of yoga has completely gone now, and it's become very trendy. And the idea of doing something that's very different or that's from um, a religious uh, view or culture that's very different from our culture is now something that is welcomed. It's not considered strange. It's not considered something that we should examine but it's more along the lines of, oh, you know, maybe we should try it. So I think that's those are a couple of reasons why yoga has become so popular. It, who is attracted to it? Is it just the fitness people or, or the yuppies? I mean, is there a stereotype of people who are really into yoga in the United States? Um, I don't think there is anymore. I think initially, um, after the uh, counterculture, I think it was people more into into health, people who were into health foods. Um, people who were into, you know, the people who early on went out jogging and running and, and did all that stuff before before the rest of the country followed. And those tended to be sort of the yuppie-type people. And I think maybe, you know, they were the next big segment of the population that got into it. However, now it's, it's really just um, anybody. They have yoga in colleges. Um, they have yoga in churches, um, Christians, including, um, you know, evangelical born-again Christians are doing yoga. And um, I don't think that there's a stereotype person anymore. Okay. If you just joined us, we're talking with Marcia Montenegro, and she uh, is at kna.userworld.com. Check out her website if you want to email Marcia. It's kna2000, the number 2000, at rcn.com. Marsha, does yoga have a hidden agenda to draw people into Eastern religions? Uh, that's a very good question because um, you probably won't find anyone in yoga who would say, no, there's, there's no agenda for Eastern religions, you know. However, initially when yoga came to this country, um, it was brought here by um, Hindu teachers of yoga, and um, this was even in a yoga journal. Uh, several years back uh, in the 90s where uh, they wrote about how some of these um, yoga teachers from India said one of the ways we will bring Eastern religions to the West is through yoga. A lot of people think that people in Eastern religions have no desire to propagate their beliefs and this is just not true at all. <laughs> um, they do and uh, they just do it differently. And uh, there was an idea that had been around in India for a while that uh, the East needed to be brought to the West. Um, a lot of the 
of, of leaders in, in, in some aspects of Hinduism, I'm not saying all of them, believed this. And some of them who brought yoga to this country said this is one of the ways we're going to do it. Now, um, probably the people teaching yoga now may not necessarily be thinking in these terms. I think it's more of an unconscious thing. I think they think if, uh, they're, if they're following Eastern beliefs, um, they think, okay, by doing yoga, people are going to get into the spiritual side of it eventually, and this is a good thing. You know, they see it as, as helping people. So they don't see it in terms of trying to trick people, but more as helping people. Okay. You maybe talked about this a little bit, but how does yoga pass itself off as, as just a physical exercise and not religious? So how is it really sold to the Western mindset? I think one of the main ways it's, it has done this is by dropping a lot of the Eastern terminology and replacing it with innocuous-sounding terms. Um, for example, the breathing techniques that are done in yoga are actually called pranayama, but uh, people doing yoga and teaching yoga will just say a breathing, this is just a breathing exercise, or now we're going to do breathing. Um, they don't talk about the chakras, which are the um, seven centers um, from the base of the spine to the top of the skull. This is a part of Hinduism, and different yoga positions uh, are supposed to enhance the flow of this energy called kundalini through the various chakras. Um, and if you look at some yoga books, you'll find that. But I think in a lot of places where yoga is taught, they just may say uh, the seven energy centers. They may not use the word chakras. So they're not using pranayama. They're not using the word chakras. They're not saying the word kundalini, but they're still uh, doing yoga, and they're still saying things. They're just using terms that people don't recognize okay. uh, because they sound like generic terms. Right, right. Here's probably my biggest question today. Can a person reject the spiritual aspects of yoga but still practice the physical exercises? Yeah, I'm asked that question a lot. <laughs> and this is my answer. My answer is no, because um, yoga in and of itself is a technique that is a part of a spiritual system and a spiritual belief and if you try to separate yoga, basically uh, people who say this think, well, I can just do the positions and I'm not going to be thinking in terms of the pranayama or the kundalini or anything. But the problem is then, are you really doing yoga? You know, then, then that's my question is, well, then it's not really yoga. Also, um, the positions honor various Hindu deities. Um, I don't know how anyone can do the sun salutation and not realize that this is saluting the sun. That's what sun salutation means. And, of course, in Hinduism you have, I forgot how many gods there are in Hinduism, like 30 million or something, and they're all supposedly the manifestations of the one absolute god. But uh, these poses honor um, these various forms of the god. And... So when you're practicing yoga, you're participating in something that was designed to do this, and it was designed to help you along the path of Hindu beliefs. And so, to me, there's no way to separate them. Great. One last question, if you can do it in less than a minute. <laughs> what would you say to a Christian into yoga? 
Well, I would try to give them the information I just gave on the spiritual aspects of yoga. And I would say, um, you know, really, is this the best way to do any kind of physical exercise? There are alternatives. And shouldn't we be thinking of, uh, you know, the fact that we belong to Christ and everything in our life should reflect that? Okay, let's recap a little bit. We're talking about yoga, so maybe start out with what is yoga? Yes, yoga um, is a uh, spiritual uh, practice associated with Hinduism. It comes from Hinduism. It's an integral part of Hinduism. Um, Hatha yoga uses the body, and that's the yoga we're most familiar with in this country. Um, That is putting the body in different positions using certain breathing techniques, and this is all to... Um, enhance the flow of an energy called kundalini. It's to induce meditative states and um, basically to get you to eventually unite with the absolute, which is what yoga means, coming from a Sanskrit word for yoke. Okay. So I'm assuming then that yoga was not created as a exercise program or a stress reducer. Absolutely not. The um, the yogis in the Himalayas were not interested in <laughs> stress reduction or weight loss. Um, they were interested in um, disassociating from the illusion of the material world and uniting with the absolute God of Hinduism. Um, and these different forms of yoga came out of those purposes. And that is what yoga is all about and the fact that it has been marketed as a you know exercise program or stress reducer doesn't make it any less true that yoga is still a part of Hinduism. Okay, here's a question. I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but what do you think the percentages of people in the US who take up yoga not for the physical but purely for the spiritual purposes? Yeah, this would just be a wild guess, you know. I would say maybe now it's is probably, you know, less than 50%, whereas, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, most of the people who took yoga, or maybe all of them um, initially, were taking it for spiritual purposes. And I think that's just gone down quite a bit because people think of it in terms of a neutral kind of exercise and not as a uh, spiritual practice. Okay. Who is God in yoga and who is Jesus? Yeah, God and Jesus are just totally irrelevant to yoga. Yoga um, is, is has nothing to do with God and Jesus. And um, if you're going to um, put yoga in the context of Hinduism, which is, is where it comes from, then uh, God in, in yoga uh, would be the Hindu God, um, and who's nothing at all like the God of the Bible. And Jesus is just, um, you know, depending on various, people in Hinduism that you would ask. I don't think they have any kind of, uh, you know, specific teaching on Jesus. A lot of people in Hinduism think Jesus was, a, you know, an advanced spiritual master, um, an avatar, somebody who came to earth to teach certain things such as love or compassion. There's no official teaching because there's no centralized um, doctrine in, in Hinduism. It's a mishmash of a lot of different doctrines that have developed over centuries. So there's no official statement on Jesus. (laughs) Okay. How would yoga view man? Are we intrinsically good by nature or are we bad by nature? 
Um, well, man in Hinduism um, is basically uh, a vehicle for the true self, which is part of the divine or part of the absolute. And our identity as a person, as a human being, is temporary, and we are only reincarnating to um, kind of live out the karma of our previous lives and to awaken to our true self, um, which is actually part of, you know, the absolute God. So basically, I don't know that they would even say we're intrinsically good or bad, but they would say that we have to find our true self. The concepts of good and bad um, are not that important in Eastern religions. That's um, a Western, more of a Western mindset, and it's definitely a Christian mindset. And so it's very hard sometimes to convey the fact to Christians that this concept of good and bad is not that important in Eastern religions. What's more important is what is illusion and what is reality. That's more of the question. Okay. If you're just listening in, I am interviewing Marcia Montenegro from Cana Ministries. Cana.userworld.com is her website. And we I asked this last um, last show, but I want to look into this again. It was fascinating. What is the purpose of the the physical postures in yoga? Yeah, the physical postures in yoga are, um, first of all, uh, designed to enhance the flow of this this energy called kundalini. Uh, Of course, I I don't think it exists, but it supposedly is this um, energy coiled like a a serpent at the base of the spine, and it is supposed to travel up through the spine through these seven points called chakras, which are also invisible. And these various postures um, enhance the flow of that kundalini, supposedly. Also, the the postures um, can um, represent honoring uh, Hindu deities. And also, putting your body in these postures, when when you hold the postures, which is what you're supposed to do for several seconds, you get into a certain position and hold it. And there's spiritual purposes behind that. Um, uh, and what, you're, what you eventually do is supposedly see that this body that you're doing all these things in is not really basically part of reality. That's not the real you. So there's, there's several different purposes for, for the postures of yoga, and you're, and you're supposed to do it exactly in a certain way. Um, I'm just going to read one sentence here that was in uh, Yoga Journal. Asana is the word used for the postures. Asana is a powerful practice. Um, It can be a doorway into the most profound teachings of yoga. So it's very much part of the spiritual belief system. Okay. How do people feel who are really into yoga? Is it like some kind of a a drug-induced state that they get into? Um. I don't know if I'd say it's like a drug-induced state. If you're doing um, yoga the way it is normally taught, um, you are, uh, and holding the poses and doing the breathing, you can get into a meditative trance state um, in which your mind is uh, in a state like a hypnotic state, a hypnotic trance state. And when your mind is in that state, it's very open to whatever wants to come in, 
your judgment, your ability to judge things is suspended, and your critical thinking skills are suspended. So basically you're putting your mind into a light hypnotic trance state, which is not a natural state and is actually a dangerous state. That's interesting. You, you use meditation. Isn't meditation a biblical thing that we're supposed to do? Yes, and and here's another big problem in our culture now is the word meditation. It has um, actually different meanings depending on who's saying it. And because we know that word's in the Bible, or Christians know that word's in the Bible, when they hear that word, they assume that's what people are talking about. Biblical meditation means to contemplate, to think about, to ponder, to examine. Sometimes it means to memorize God's word. Um, however, the way meditation is being used mostly in the secular culture and in things like yoga is to go into the state of mind, this altered state of consciousness, um, in which you are not thinking uh, and in which you are not examining things. So it's a completely different thing. It has nothing to do with biblical meditation. What about Christian yoga? Can, can it be done in... Who is popularizing this, anyway? Yeah, Christian yoga is getting um, more popular uh, every year. There's even been a book um, published uh, on Christian yoga. Um, I think it's an oxymoron. You can't take Christian, you can't take yoga and make it Christian. You know, you might as well say Christian Hinduism, um, as far as I'm concerned, because Yoga is in and of itself a spiritual practice from Hinduism. However, there are people who are doing it, and they do things like um, maybe they take uh, the breathing exercises from yoga and they breathe. They say they're breathing in God's spirit. Um, okay, there's an article about uh, some churches here in northern Virginia that came out a few years ago, and this is what they're doing. They're Christianizing the terms. Um, they do the, the warrior stance, and they say that's balancing our lives. Um, the child pose is to remember we are children of God. But they're still doing they're still doing the um, positions and the breathing. They're just giving other names to it. Well, that doesn't make it Christian. So I have a huge problem with this. Um, I think that it's taking away from what yoga really is. A lot of actually a lot of um, Hindus are very upset about this, and they in, in the article it says they didn't, they say, uh, well, look, we're not trying to do Hindu communion <laughs> or Hindu baptism. You know, we're not taking baptism and communion from the Christian church and trying to make them Hindu as the Christians are taking yoga and trying to make it Christian. They don't understand it uh, because it's... Um, you, you just can't do it. You can't take something. You can't take a, a duck and then say, um, you know, it's, a, it's um, you know, a cow because you're going to call it a cow. Right, right. Last question for you today. You've got about 30 seconds to answer it. <laughs> what about somebody listening now and saying, oh, man, I have to quit my yoga class now after I heard this. Are there any alternatives to achieve the same physical results without getting into the spiritual elements? Well, I think there are exercises out there. I mean, um, at the bottom of my two articles, of, or at least one of my articles of yoga on my uh, website, I have some links to some exercises that I found. It didn't take me very long. I found on the Internet. Um, I mean, just think, what did people used to do before yoga got popular? There are exercises you can do, and um, 
you know, I, 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 I can't give specific technique. I don't want to advertise anything here, but um, if you look, you can find something. Yoga is not the only thing that you need to do. Okay, if you're interested in a CD of this two-part interview on yoga, contact me. My email address is help at tower2truth.net. My phone number is 610-513-5525. That's 610-513-5525. Don't forget my website at tower2truth.net. And remember, don't just believe everything you hear, but test all things. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network. 